I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, catching up, a new year, a striped pillow, and more. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Welcome back. I guess we're welcome into the new year, into 2020. I am Amy, and this is episode 376 Stripes, Strips, and a Late Bloom. And hello again. Hello, everyone. I feel like I need to say Happy Holiday and Happy New Year and Happy Year End Reflection and Happy. 2020 planning all in one rushed and rapid and layered and meaningful breath. So much time has passed and it feels antsy. It feels a bit scary knowing once again how easy it is to suddenly not do something. Not doing can grow slowly almost imperceptibly, insidiously, quietly. It's true with all of these things we do just because doing them matters to us. Things that nothing really will change or stop or be forever maligned if we don't do them. We do them because they matter to us and not doing can very easily become the norm. It can grow. Things that we do because they matter to us, drawing, sewing, knitting, journaling, list making, writing, tracking. It's very easy to stop. Frighteningly easy. I sometimes think part of what I'm here to do with the CMP is just to keep reminding you and me that, hey, that part of you is there and it matters. Even if no one else sees or understands it, it matters because it matters to you. So that's part of my message to you today. My reminder, that bit of an echo. Yes, you, creative you. Yes, that drawing matters. Yes, that bit of paint matters. Yes, it's fine to draw that shape over and over and over again. And it has meaning because it matters to you. And yes, I know it can be hard. I know it can be hard. And not doing can be much easier. And wanting to do is not the same as doing. But yes, even the few minutes, even if it's only a few minutes, Even if you look around and think, I just can't, those few minutes matter because they matter to you. When I got ready yesterday, I knew that it was going to be my first chance to podcast and I was pulling my notes together in advance. I was planning on driving my son back to school and I was, I think, trying to lay out some kind of plan for myself in thinking that I might be able to record last night. And I knew it might not happen. 
I knew that chances were good it might not happen. I knew exactly how I would be when I got home. I know my response to that kind of day, to the drive itself, to all of it. I knew that my temptation might be to just come home and sit in one place and sleep or doze or maybe read a bit and doze. I knew all those things. I hoped that I might be able to muster myself into this position right here and do the podcast, but I knew it might not happen. I knew though that I would probably come home and draw. I needed to do that. And I needed to work on my illustrated journal and my sketchbook project journal is rapidly coming due. And that has started to uh, alarm me just a little bit. So I've been working on that. Just because you haven't seen signs of me doesn't really mean that I have not been doing anything, but I haven't been able to be here, to be right here. And that matters to me, matters, oh, matters a whole lot. And I've missed all of you. I've missed having the chance to interact with and talk to you. I really hate missing those last few weeks of the year. And right on the heels of that, I really hate missing the first few weeks of the year. All of those things are still true. And I didn't podcast last night. At the same time, I never quite know how to rope myself back into this space. The not doing of anything sometimes makes the doing a little harder. Oh, the not doing becomes in its own way easy. And Sometimes it's a little mm, iffy, a little uncertain. How you change that back up, how you flip that switch in this moment, it would be, what do I actually say? Someone told me just recently that she really appreciates one of the classes that she signed up for, partly because she looks forward to spending virtual time with that teacher once a week like a visit. She looks forward to seeing that teacher. I was really struck by that. I was really struck by that reality. It is probably true for many of you with either a class or some kind of workshop you do. It might be true with something you listen to, a podcast or something else, something that you tune into that has that kind of comfort. And I feel a bit like that doing this. I look forward to this visit, to this chance to talk to all of you. And in talking to all of you, oftentimes I either get inspired myself or things become more clear to me in certain ways. And all of that is good. So I wonder sometimes about the economy of these visits we have. I talk, you listen. I'm going to stop and take a sip of my tea. Someone also reminded me how very clear it is that I don't work in a studio. And that is absolutely true. A lot would free up and become, oh, I don't know, easier if I just didn't have so many standards for myself. Of course, I don't work in a studio. I am barely squeezed in here in a very small section of a, oh, it's a desk, but it's really like a countertop. So I don't ever try and pretend that I work in a studio. I try and keep the margin of all of this very clear. I think every now and again, I probably should just take a drink like I'm going to do right now. 
And that was very good. And that is tea. I am having a new hmm, fascination with tea. Maybe still drinking my coffee, of course, but some new to me teas are definitely making me happy and becoming a part of my day and a good way to change off, I think, from the coffee. Yes, water is also good. Yes, it is. It really is. So I have so much to say today just on one little story. So I'm just going to plunge in. I don't really know where things will go today other than this story. Probably not far, but this is my way of reinserting myself into your listening scape for the week. So, so many things happened in December. All of December happened. All of December happened. And this year, everyone got sick except for me. And that was good. I saw a beautiful day in the neighborhood, which was indeed beautiful. I don't have Mr. Rogers' memories like a lot of people my age, but I really loved the movie. I really did. It has really stuck with me very much. And it's probably why I'm now listening to The Dutch House, which is narrated by Tom Hanks. And I even said yesterday in the car, now I'm having this thing where I feel like I need to go and watch a bunch of Tom Hanks movies because he was so Mr. Rogers for me in that movie that I can't sort of shake it now. And now I'm listening to this book and I'm having this odd overlay of character and voice and it's all coming together. And I feel like I need to or want to watch some of those other movies because those are the things that sometimes go in and out for me. I don't hold on to those things forever. So I did see that. And then I saw The New Little Women. It's always been a favorite of mine and I wasn't even sure about a new one couldn't really imagine that there could be yet another, but I loved it. I loved it. I really, really enjoyed this retelling. And because it was different in timeline, I really liked it as a new spin. I really did. And I loved the filming of it and the clothing. So lush, so lush. So I really enjoyed that. And if you've been on the fence about it, I would say go see it. There were so many little things to handle this year, this December, these weeks, this end of year, start of year, vaccines and eye appointments and insurance battles that I lost and parking ticket battles that I frustratingly lost and a haircut and a dentist appointment here and there. And then an avalanche of bills and expenses and all these things that happen in these weeks that are already too clustered and too full and too chaotic and, oh, too much juggling, right? You want it to be all soft and glowy and quiet and comforting and warm. And there's all this other stuff that has to still be attended to. There's even a new flow to that when one of your kids is only home for chunks of time now, twice a year. So some of those things all had to be fit into this little bit of space. Yeah, kind of resented some of those things, but I also had to work more than not. So it was what it was. Lots of little things. There was some dog sitting and some book stack flipping, 
rogue side trips with my mom and off moments to see the hope tree, which sadly this year was behind a barrier. So I couldn't quite get the sensation I wanted of being really close to it the way I was a few years ago. It wasn't quite as fulfilling as I hoped, but it was still wonderful. It's still so beautiful. It's awe-inspiring. It's so full of light. You just leave with this impression of gold and glow and warmth. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We nabbed a walk around the labyrinth there where it was too. And that also wasn't quite the way I wish it had been. It felt a little bit rushed because there were kids running everywhere and racing right behind us. And I bailed at the center. I did. I made it to the center, but I kept feeling myself trying to go faster and faster because they were on my heels. And when I got to the center, I just bailed. I regret that a little bit. I didn't get the feeling from my walk that I really wanted that I think this year I'm ready for and maybe craving and maybe need. I think that feeling is something I'm really looking for. And probably the last time I was at that same place with that labyrinth, I was a very different person. I didn't know what I would have wanted or needed in the same way that I think I do now. So I wish that I wish it had been a a calmer, more private, more private moment. Maybe going back there is not easy. It's a parking nightmare. So it is what it is. I did not cross Labyrinth off my list though. So we will, oh no, I did. I did, didn't I? I realized it might be my one shot. We did make use of our time. We did. We did do things. We went to Union Square to walk around and get some obligatory photos by the tree and see the amazing gingerbread villages in the lobby of the Westin. We went to one of the sets of tiled stairs, a set she had never seen. It was a nice thing to share. It's such a beautiful, beautiful mosaic stairway. And that was really nice. I'm really glad we did that. It's my second time this year, and I'm really glad. And then we stopped by the familiar ones, too. Those were much more crowded. And on that day, it was such bright light on those that even our photos were not really all that interesting. But the other set, the sort of private and hidden set, that was really, really a beautiful thing. We got photos at the top of Twin Peaks, And at some point early on, I realized that we should do 12 days of joint selfies before Christmas. I was thinking, oh, we have a full 12 days left. We should do 12 days of selfies. And I missed my chance. And then I thought, okay, so we'll do 10 days. And I missed the chance. So the 12 days of Christmas after Christmas, the true 12 days. But I never said it out loud. I kept having this conversation in my head and thinking, oh, I don't want to forget. I'll have us do a selfie today and I'll tell her. I'll say, okay, this is what we're going to do. But I never did do it. I would plan it out in my head and then it would be nighttime all of a sudden and I would realize that oh, we didn't ever do it. So I thought the last 10 days of the year, that would be good. Okay, how about the last seven days of the year? It never happened. Now, we did take selfies on and off different times, but never in this concerted way that I kind of thought, oh, it would be so cool and so special to do this thing and have this series, this deliberate series and sequence with my mom. It was a good idea. 
And any variation of it would have been good. It would have been special and meaningful, a really nice thing to do with my mom at this point. We did take selfies at those major pit stops that I mentioned, but we don't take all that many pit stops. So doing a set of days would have required deliberately stopping and finding a moment to take a selfie to take one where I wouldn't be going, oh no, you can't let that show in the background. Oh no, you can't show that mess. Oh no, oh no. So I thought it would be fun, but I didn't say it out loud. And if I had, it would have happened. Together, we would have been accountable, jointly accountable, and we would have done it. We would have reminded ourselves, we would have reminded each other, we would have made it happen. And I kept thinking I would reveal it in some meaningful way. And I just didn't. And so we never did. And I'm a little sorry about that. A little sorry about that. It's a reminder to all of you that saying something out loud transforms it. If you want to do it with someone else, telling them is key. Asking them if it's something that needs a request or that you're hoping they'll say yes to with you, it's key. I have other things that I've been wanting to do that I just haven't asked. And that's my fault. That's on me. So it's a reminder to you. You have to say it out loud. You have to ask. Sometimes sharing that responsibility makes something possible that might not have been possible before. And sometimes having someone else do it with you and that back and forth will help both of you do whatever it is in a way that you might just not have done on your own. So we kept busy. We talked about a lot of knitting. We started a cow together that she ended up finishing and I'm still only halfway through. And that's because I worked on all kinds of other different projects during the day and she did a lot of knitting. We tried super tiny circular needles on January 1 for our ritual of starting something new. And the verdict is still out on those. They're very tiny. We looked at a bunch of patterns that she has and thought about for our year, thought about what we might want to make or what we might want to do. Knitting has not been a huge priority for me in the last few years. Used to be much more so. But in the last few years, I've done a lot more drawing and so a lot less knitting. Those things tend to take sort of the same time space, or maybe I only have energy for one or the other. I don't know. But I always do knit when my mom is here. And I think that if I made a list of projects, I keep going back to this because I think if I made a list of projects, and I I used to, in years past, I would, at the beginning of the year, write down all the things I wanted to do. And that can be a little overwhelming. But just thinking of knitting, I kept thinking if I lined up And yeah, I kept thinking of 20 because 20 for 20, but I don't really think I knit that much. But if I lined up a set of projects and said, okay, these are the things I really want to make that I might actually tackle them differently rather than just willy nilly deciding, okay, I'm going to make something now or now and then or start something now and then never finish it. I am really poor at finishing things. I have things throughout the house that likely will never get finished. In many cases, later on, I unravel things and just wind them back up, knowing that I won't pick them back up and finish them. But I think if I had a few goals, then maybe I would do better. 
finishing the garter snake cow that we started. That's my first priority. I'm trying right now just to focus on that, not putting it aside. I'm going to just do a couple rows every day until I finish and finishing a holiday gift that still isn't off the needles and mailed. Oh, sadly, I hate to admit it. That is another big priority. So those two things will happen. And then I'm going to see about this list and being more deliberate, really wanting to make whatever I start rather than just starting something. So we knit and we looked at lots of knitting books. Someone had suggested a coffeehouse knitting book to me, and I brought that home from the library and really enjoyed looking at it. There's some wonderful things in that. It's beautiful to look at. We made brown bread several times, and we researched brown bread and looked at the history of it and laughed about it, and it was good. It was good because it is a family thing, and it's a memory probably a slightly different memory for each of us, but something that we both do remember. And so we made it and everyone enjoyed it. So it got made more than once. And we baked donuts and beer bread and cornbread and soup to kick off my hopeful year of weekly soup. Yep, that's happening. We talked about some sewing and prototyped or tried a project or two that she wants to make on her own at home. And last year I had made her a composition book. You might remember that a composition book cover, a quilted one, because she liked mine so much. So I made her one and I wasn't really sure she would use it. My mom is not a list maker in the same way that I am, not a note keeper or a journaler. She doesn't do those things, but she has used her composition book cover. It's so wonderful to know and to see that she's still using it. She still loves it. And she wanted a new calendar for it because it's a composition book cover and she had a composition book in it, but she had this super cheap calendar that I gave her. So I can say it was super cheap and it had just sort of fit in. It was super small, big enough, but it was super thin, nothing extra, just a little calendar. And she had really used that. She wanted a new calendar, but it had to fit in this composition book and she wanted it to really fit and to be big enough. It became one of those obsessive, crazy challenges to try and find something and uh, something that I just spun in circles about really. I don't love how that challenge got solved. I did find something that would work, but ultimately it replaced the composition book. So it wasn't a perfect solution, but she is using it. There have been so many quilted cases through the years, really a Kindle here, a Kindle there, an iPad, quilted cases for her devices. And I guess they've kind of come and gone, but this one is something she's using now. So I thought that I would make her a new bag for that new bag to go with that. And I didn't, unfortunately. One day while she was here, she sat and looked at my 50 before 50 journal. I told her she could look, but she didn't really need to read it. So she flipped through it. All those selfies, all that raw sadness. It's true over the last six months. Not that that's a revelation. The scavenger hunt of the year and the makings of the list and the checking things off of the list and some of the things I've done. She just flipped through the little things discovered and captured moments here and there. I don't know what she thought really as she looked. I always feel like the me that I know and the me that I bring here and the me that I most value and want to be able to claim and say, 
This is who I am. That's not quite the me that my mother knows. And I'm sure many of us feel that way. But somehow, holding that book, I know that the clues are all there. That flipping through those pages is somehow a peek inside or a peek at this other part of me. I know. So many things done and so many lists made. And actually, that was a really good thing, those lists. But overall, I feel like this time this year was the hardest yet in terms of balancing my regular creative me things. It took me by surprise. It really did. I always have to juggle it, but this year it felt very different. It almost defies logic because my mom is a creative person. She is always knitting. She likes to make things, but somehow the prism has turned just enough during the holiday visit that everything feels different and time unfolds differently. The juggle this year with work, with my regular job was really intense for me. I was so busy. And in some years, I've had at least early morning time and space to myself before everyone would get up. And it didn't unfold that way this year. It just didn't happen the same way. A lot of creative things did happen, though. It was a wonderful visit. But I felt out of sorts with the comforting projects that so define my, this is my regular life days. The creative life that I have when everyone else is gone. It was hard to let myself find and reach for those things and still fit them in. I still do my things, but not as fully or with the same amount of time or anything that I do in other times. My 50 before 50 journal, my daily drawings, mostly portraits, those daily things, my timing, it was just weird. My focus was blurred. I did more sewing and more knitting and less drawing, but I was still drawing at the table in between hands of cards and things like that. So I was still trying to keep myself rooted because I don't want to let any of that really go. But I did do more sewing. I sewed on lots of things. Part of that sewing, that whole cluster of sewing, part of that was an oversized pillow that I made for Matthew. Now, did he ask for a pillow? No. But when I made my list, I added, make him a new pillow. It's something mindful. It's something loving. It has a history in our family. The ones I've made him in the past are special. Most of them have ended up pretty ragtag, pretty much destroyed simply by use, which is very disheartening to me, and also by a bad habit of lying on them with wet hair. This time I thought maybe an oversized pillow would be good in the dorm. There isn't a lot of space, but I thought maybe on the bed, something to prop up against, something really oversized that you could just lean back against, maybe that would be a good or cool or nice thing, as opposed to just like a small throw pillow, which would seem more decorative. I thought maybe something big enough to be kind of useful would be good. So I asked him about colors on one of his few visits home in the fall. And not surprisingly, he told me black and white. And when I pressed on, well, if there was an accent color, what would it be? And 
I was hoping he would say orange because his school colors are black and orange. But he said blue, which is not a total surprise. Not a surprise. The first quilt I made him was blue and yellow and orange. He picked those colors. And the second quilt that I made him was black and white and silver and yellow. And he picked those colors. But I knew that blue was probably the answer. I kept that idea of the pillow in my head. Just kind of left it there. Like I said, it is on my list. So I kept it in my head. I had some random thoughts on how to make this really big pillow. I was thinking I could somehow take four smaller pillow inserts and sew them together. I don't know. But when I was doing some deal shopping before the holidays, I picked up a Euro pillow. It's a 27 inch. I think it might be 26, but I think they're listed as 27 inches. It was really inexpensive. It sounded big. I thought, oh, that'll be perfect. It'll be really big. I don't think it ended up as big as I thought. And definitely the pillow is not as full or firm as I thought. But I thought, that'll be great. It's big. It'll be an easy approach. I'll have the insert. I'll just need to make the cover. And so I started stripping things together, making strips, piecing fabric, just making strips. I was thinking I just wanted to do basically stripes, strips of fabric, and then in stripes. And in my head, I wanted this to be super firm, really dense, a really firm, tightly packed pillow. And it totally didn't end up that way. But I knew that thin strips of fabric would result in a lot of seaming. And then I hoped with quilting on top, a really nice density to the fabric, which I hoped would give it a firm feel and make it maybe more durable. Those destroyed pillows have been super sad to see in the past. And the quilts, they also look about 100 years old rather than less than 10. So I was really trying to think of a way to make this something that would have a little more longevity. It sounds funny that making a 27-inch square, which meant that I really need to make something more like 30 or 32 inches square, big enough to quilt it and then to trim it and square it and all those things and still have room for seams. It ended up really laborious. It really did. I underestimated that for myself. I've not been sewing as much. It felt huge. So much of what I work on these days is 12 inches or less small pieces that I piece. And I work with really small pieces when I piece. So this thing felt huge. It's bigger than my cutting board. I wasn't even working on a full table. You know, it was so much bigger than I thought it was going to be. And it was hard to squeeze in on the corner of the table. And I'm so out of shape these days, sadly so. But maybe if I say that out loud enough times, something will happen. So out of shape that even working on it was kind of exhausting. Just sitting up at the machine and working on this huge thing, I really felt, totally felt my own out of shapeness. I felt it in just about every way possible, how big this thing was. But you know, the strips happened and I love that. That's so much what I love. It grew. I just kept putting pieces together and I was using small pieces. And when they felt too big, I would trim them down again and piece them together again and keep making them smaller. And it grew, it grew and it grew. And I wove in bits of blue and orange. Otherwise, I wasn't fussy. I was using blacks and whites, lots of blacks and white. I was just pulling it all in and trying to go for this overall field with nothing standing out too much. This field of black and white with these little bits of accent. It was just comforting. 
that kind of fabric, when you piece it, you're making your own new fabric and it is a comforting process and it's comforting to look at. I love to look at things that are just full of that layering and that pastiche of fabric that way. For the back, I decided I would do a zipper because that way he could take it off and wash it. And I thought I would hide that with a flap. It just made sense. It would look nicer. And I randomly pieced together some things for the back. And then I thought, oh, I'll go ahead and use some denim, some old denim, some things that recycled denim. And so I cut up a pair of blue jeans for that part of it. Last fall, I was really gung-ho with this whole idea of making bags out of the cast-off denim. And I started in that process and was really interested in it, but I just didn't go far with it. Just didn't do as much sewing as I thought I might in the fall. But I still had some denim out and a pair of uncut jeans. So I cut the two legs and used the denim that way. It felt right. It adds something, some kind of durability and heft to the back, but it also adds seams. It adds texture. It adds history. I kind of liked it. So no no pattern. There's no pattern. I don't, eh, I'm not a huge pattern follower, but I'm also not huge on assembly. I like the piecing. I really don't love assembly. And that's always my downfall. I just wing it. I kind of know where I'm headed and I just do it. And when it came to quilting it, I did something new, something that I wouldn't have thought I would do. I basically quilted this whole thing in straight lines I used a walking foot for most of it, and all of those lines made me so happy. This pillow was perfect for it because I had stripped the whole thing in stripes. It was perfect for straight line quilting, and I loved it. Now, I left some of the spaces blank and then went back and did some columns with a quilting foot and freeform quilting. But in truth, the walking foot part made me really happy. It was manageable in a totally different way. And I liked it. I love the effect of it. Think about it. It's a lot of lines. It's almost like hatching. So yeah, I really, really liked that. But the needle kept falling out. So that was something kept falling out. But overall, using the walking foot, that was a huge aha moment for me. I feel like it opens up things. I guess some people will look at it and go, oh, well, that's not artful quilting. And yeah, maybe not. But I really like how it looks. So it was really, really, really a good, a good discovery for me, an empowering discovery in some ways. Now, in the middle of all of this, before the assembly problems happened, in the middle of all of the sewing, I decided to make a few quilted bags for gifts. I still haven't gotten those in the mail, so yeah, I can't talk too much about those, but it was clear how out of practice I am. Oh my goodness. It's almost impossible to remember that back when I first did this podcast, I sold pen pouches. They were crazy simple. Really, they were crazy simple. And people bought them. And I so enjoyed making them. I didn't have any of the experience I have now with sewing and quilting. Yes, I had sewing and quilting experience, but not like I have now. And I didn't overthink it. I made these super simple things and I was super proud of them. And now I have all this stuff in my head about how things should go. So it it felt different and I'm definitely out of practice. All those things I used to make, all those bags, all those pillows. I don't know. So in the middle of things, this time I was working on these bags using the same approach as the pillow because the stripes had made me so happy. And I thought, oh, that is so 
perfect. It's just so perfect. Not only is it perfect for these people, it's perfect for me. I feel like this is my kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, this is my thing. Stripes, right? Stripes and hatching. So I guess I'm just line based no matter where I am. But I worked on those things in the middle and they were going well. That was making me happy. But Christmas approached really rapidly. And I realized I had to get the pillow finished up. Partly the big box with the pillow form was still sitting there unopened in the way. And I pinned it all up. I sewed it all together. I flipped it and realized I had done something totally wrong on the back. So frustrating. This is so me. I'm notorious for this kind of issue. So after some ranting, I set it aside. Yeah, I know myself well enough to at least do that. I just set it aside. And it sat there until the last minute. And so finally I realized, okay, I have to fix this. So I took things out, pinned it all back up, sewed it all together, right? This is my Hail Mary at the last moment. I flip it and I realize that once again, I've messed it up. Different problem, not the same, but I've messed it up. Now this time it's functional. It can be used, but it is still wrong. And it's wrong in such a way that I could never live with it. An unsightly issue with the envelope flap. But I had to go ahead and give it that way. <laughs> I did. You're probably going, oh, no, she didn't. Well, oh, yes, I did. And luckily, I knew that it would be okay to give it to him that way. And I gave it to him that way. And honestly, he didn't care. And I told him I wasn't going to fix it. I will fix this before you leave. And yeah, he probably really doesn't still understand what was wrong with it. But he seemed to genuinely love it. He even put it to use. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I thought it would just go back with him to the dorm. But, you know, uh, things happen, right? So a broken bunk bed made all of the sleeping end up differently. And he did end up putting it to use. And the interesting thing is that the pillow looks like it's always been here, like it's always been in the space, like it is a part of us. And that's the best. When something quilted looks simply like part of you and your life and your stuff, I think it's right. It's just right. Now, he was here for a few weeks after I gave him that pillow, and it would have been so easy just to let it go. But I couldn't do that. The pillow does work, I know. But the problem is a problem, and to me it was an embarrassing problem. So the last night, right before he was going to leave, I cut off the sides. I thought it through and thought, you know, the insert, the pillow that I put inside of it is not very full. So despite its dimensions, it looks like a much smaller pillow than this big case I made. So I thought, well, you know, I can just cut the sides off, realign what needed to be fixed and resew it. And it would tighten it up a little bit. It'll all be fine. All of that would have been just really, really straightforward except that I had had so many problems with my machine in between. So it was tricky and it was an issue, but I did get it to work. I cut the sides off. I sewed it back together. It was complete and ready to go to school. It got thrown in the trunk. It got thrown on the bed. It is what it is now. And I'm thankful that the machine worked. I am thankful because it didn't look like it would I had waited to the last minute because something had happened a few days before and I really thought my machine was just broken. I had been going to make us both striped bags. And like I said, I thought I would make one to go with her book. But then I saw this cute small bag online and thought, oh, I want to try that. That's so cute. 
And yeah, I don't love using patterns. And so I should remember that because, well, using the pattern was hard for me. (laughs) And I broke bunches of needles, which was super frustrating. And in breaking needles and bending needles, I had bobbin issues. And then I had needles that got put in backwards. And I had so many problems. And the machine kept jamming in ways that were kind of scary. And I was really worried that I had ruined my machine. I really, really was. I wasn't able to finish my bag even. I could not get the last seam sewn together. The machine just wouldn't handle the little bit of thickness. And I felt bad because my mom had made the piece for hers. I guided her through making it and she had walking foot quilted hers to get to see how that worked and had really liked it. But then I didn't get to put hers together either. So I wasn't sure when it came time to fix the pillow, but I found one more needle. I broke the whole pack of needles that I had. I found one random and luckily more heavy duty needle and put that in, realized I had it backwards, put it in again, went really, really slow. And it It kept feeling like it didn't want to do this for me. And I was really not sure. I felt so bad that I might have, because I cut the sides off, there was no pillow unless I could sew it back together. And I kept thinking, so now he's not even going to have this pillow at all because I can't sew it back together. But in the end, it did. It worked. I'm not sure my machine is happy, but it did work. The pillowcase got put back on, no problems. It still looks too loose. That super Euro pillow, because it was a cheap pillow, is just not very fluffy. So you could probably fit another pillow in this pillow. But, you know, the case is really kind of cool. And it is something crossed off my 50 list. I was careful not to put too many projects on my list. I've talked about that, but make Matthew a pillow was definitely there. It was number 33 on the list. And it was the 18th thing that I formally checked off. So that's that. That's that. And that takes a while. And uh, if you're not into sewing, you probably don't care. Although I do really make some pretty cool things. If I can get past my own assembly issues, (laughs) I do make some pretty cool things. And I am the person who's always like, okay, if, you know, don't throw your socks out when they get holes, keep them. I might make something because yes, I again brought home one of those ugly sock creature books because I, I know that someday I have to make these things. And I say, you know, don't throw out your flannel because I'm going to use it. I have so much stuff put away to use. I think at some point I have to start doing something with all the stuff I've put away. And that's kind of my reality. But uh, making that pillow was really cool. Uh, I do plan to make myself a bag still. And I really should make my mom one. I need to fix my Hobonichi cover. And I could use it the way I'm using it. I am using it the way I'm already made it. But I think I'm going to fix it. I think I'm going to tailor it up, make it a little more form-fitting and single book focused. Maybe. I I keep saying that, but I'm kind of used to it the way it is right now, but I still think I might fix it. Probably going to make another comp book cover just because I love them so much. Comp book is not really in my journal mix up in the moment, but I just love the space that a comp book cover offers me. And I think trying my Hobonichi cover showed me that the other way to do it didn't really work out with the way I like to use fabric and quilting. So Uh, My composition book cover is a little thicker. It's the old style where the covers go in, sort of flap 
They go into flap pockets and it closes up rather than something more like a traveler's notebook. But it works and it's kind of nice and it's definitely comforting every time I look at it. So I had made pieces for that last year and I cut part of those down to use for the Hobonichi but I think I'll go ahead and add to the other pieces I made and make that. So it is something I love to do, but because I like to work with things that are small, they're not fast. So that's the truth. They're not fast, but I do remember making all those bags. I do. I loved those. And the ones I used to make and the ones I sold, they had elastic on the back because we all at that point used moleskins. So we would all strap them to our bags. And it's kind of nice. It feels so, 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 so long ago. So there's more to say because I didn't talk about drawing and all of that other than to say just in passing that, yeah, I drew at the table in between many, 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 many hands of spades and rook. And that's true. And I do have some drawing going on. And I just haven't been photographing anything. But now that everyone's gone again, I have a timeline. I have a due date. So I have to finish that one project. And it's very rare that I have a due date for something involving my drawing because, right, it's just something I do for fun. But I don't want to miss that due date. So I do have that to do. And I'm just moving on. So lots of other things to talk about. There were some really cool things over the break and things I saw that are, are still holiday related that I'd still like to talk about. Definitely want to talk with all of you probably about word of the year. It's kind of a past for some of you. You've already picked and I've already picked and I'm well underway with my year with my word, but I'll probably still talk about it. January is, you know, there's a lot of fun things in January. So this is my toe back in the water. It has been a while and yet I felt really clear that being here and focused on the visit when I wasn't working was the most important thing. The podcast is something I care deeply about, and yet it's not a job. And even when I want it to be a job, so I felt like some of you would say, yeah, go be present. And so I was. I am the art the art is me. And that is it for today. I'm going to wrap things up. I'm going to try and edit this later and hopefully get it out. I have a regular life. I have a grocery store to do in between and I'm reading a book and I must say that it is Sunday and I'm proud of myself for coming and sitting here and doing this really because what I really wanted to do was just sit in one place and read my book. That's all I wanted to do. And I would finish my self-portrait, which I did draw last night, but I just need to ink it. I just wanted to sit and read Oh, I did. And that is good. But that also just can contribute to the not doing. So I'm proud that I sat here. Now I just have to do the rest of it so that you can hear it so that I can get back into your listening queue because it is a new year. And yeah, see, if I keep talking, I'll keep talking. So I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to say goodbye. As always, I'm Amy and you can reach me at Creativity Matters Podcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the Creativity Matters Podcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidless. You can find me at Instagram as Oamy Oamy. You can find me on Facebook, the Creativity Matters Podcast page, or in the Creativity Matters Podcast group, very small group. And thank you to those of you who are at Patreon and who 
have supported the show in the last year and in doing so have made this show possible for everyone else who listens. So the 10 or so of you who have supported this show, I very much appreciate that. I appreciate your show of faith in the show and in me and the work I do. You have so generously supported this show. Thank you. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. I hope you have a good week, everyone. And if you've stuck around this long, sort of like the end or after credits, the little teaser in the movies these days, you never know when to leave. Yeah, I know you can Google it first, but that kind of takes away the whole magic of it, doesn't it? So if you're sitting there waiting, not knowing if you should leave, I wasn't going to throw in a word, but now maybe I should. These words don't just come back to me in hundreds and hundreds. They come back to me in ones or twos sometimes threes. So a word for today. Oh, let's just go with where we went from the beginning of the show. And let's just go with teabag. And that'll be our word for today. Teabag. Have a good week. Mm